Today on the show, we remember a friend of the CU, the Pope's new car, the Bible in a museum, beauty and good, and our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Did you miss us? It's time for the CU Weekly, where the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 358. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, it's a lot of people. Are you ready? (laughs) Let's go around the horn. Kathleen Lee, she is our religion teacher at Archbishop Chappelle High School. She's also a personal religion teacher to the group, I think. Sure, yeah. In a sense, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, She's our locally sourced faith ninja. Hiya. Hello. Hiya. Hello. I also hand out demerits. Oh, well, I'm sure that I've received quite a few. Uh, next to, to Kathleen here in the studio, we have Gemma Wildsmith, mm-hmm. which I think we can all agree is the coolest last name that we yeah. have in the studio. Yeah. And uh, Gemma, uh, you join us from... England. Yes, yes, except you're here. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Visiting, yeah. Wonderful. Visiting so you're a friend of Kathleen. Absolutely, yeah. And, and Jamie, I presume, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so we welcome you uh, on the show. That's what Thank happens you. if you come to visit, <laughs> you end up a uh, panelist. Yeah, that's, that's right. fine. <laughs> and so you'll recognize this other voice and face, uh, Jamie Cherry, who Hello, is... Uh, Father. Yes, it's very good to see you. It's uh, good to be back. Yeah, and uh, always happy to welcome you. She's a listener turned panelist. And then next to her, we have Olivia Galino, who's the Associate Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. She also joins us. That's me. I'm also here. That's right. Yeah, you're fresh from visiting the uh, the family in... Yeah, well, in, it's been a, a couple of weeks, but yeah, yeah my, little, my little niece... Sorry, I'm going to shift into baby voice because she's oh. so cute. There you go. Well, uh, precious. I, I guess we should probably uh, go up to space to the Jeff Star 1 near-Earth mm-hmm. orbit satellite to welcome uh, the one you all know, Jeff Blackwell. He is the technical director of the CU. He's the commandant of the Jeff Star 1, and uh, he's here. Reporting for duty, Father. That's right. You were actually, you're up in space now, but you were on the ocean. (laughs) Yeah, I was. The missus and I did a little cruise uh, Thanksgiving uh, week. Uh, So, uh, yeah, we're back safe and sound. That's right. Uh, Yeah. Isn't it something to, to go to sleep in the Gulf of Mexico or the Mississippi River or something, and then mm-hmm. to wake up in port. Oh yeah, I just, there's something that's very that's very kind of old world about that. You know, I've always wanted to do an ocean crossing, like uh, across oh, the Atlantic. Oh, yeah. You know, that would be that would be wonderful. Yeah. I can just see Father Chris like on a cruise ship in full pirate regalia. <laughs> <laughs> like he wakes up and people are like. You know, sipping drinks and having, you know, breakfast, and he's... This grog oh. be warm. <laughs> oh, I made these, and people are like, what the heck? These apples be rotten. <laughs> Even you in, like, your cape and your Beretta, like... Yeah, I was thinking, you know, yes. like, maybe, you know, in, in period clerical attire, but no, yes. pirate outfit. Because people wake up, they'd be holding be... their coffee, and they'd be like... Am I, am I seeing that? Who is that? <laughs> Coming out yeah. of the fog. Oh, and I'm in my cassock and cloak whenever it's cold outside. Uh, people still do have that. You know, oh, like, wow. What is he wearing? Oh, yeah, that's true. I, did, I wore my beretta today because it's uh, the solemnity of Christ the King. So in the ordinary form of the Mass, I usually use the beretta for, uh, for great solemnities mm-hmm. of the church here. So there you go. Fancy. Well, you know, we try to do what we can to bring beauty. We'll talk about that in the third segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we want to do at the top of the show is to, to mention uh, someone who's very close to, to us at the Catholic Underground, uh, and specifically to Kathleen and myself. Um, you might remember our Toronto Bureau Chief, uh, Roberto Verri. His father um, began his journey towards eternal life uh, on Thursday, November the 23rd of 2017. Um, he had been sick for uh, a couple of years, mm-hmm. And, um, and I was able to actually, uh, uh, week before last, go and visit them in, in Toronto. 
And uh, Mr. Freddie, Roberto's dad, um, was just a good guy. He was yeah. uh, he was a barber for much of his life. Um, he let's see, he um, he owned Freddie's Hair Styling, which yeah. is a great little place. It was an old inn. And actually, the inn had a very English-sounding name. I can't remember what it was, but uh, it became because it is—it's like this stone cottage that they turned into a barber shop. And uh, actually, there was a uh, his son Roberto did a um, a, a documentary on Il Barbieri, the barbers, mm-hmm. and who his, so his dad was was mentioned in there. Um, he, uh, of course, was a good friend of the Catholic underground. He always wanted to know, hey, uh, a father. Don Cristoforo, he would always say, <laughs> How's, uh, how does the radio go? How does the show go? Yeah. So, so uh, he was always a good supporter of us and, and prayed for our apostolate. And, you know, anytime um, one of the members of the CU loses a parent or a, a close family member, we always try to mention it because you who are listening to us, those of you who are watching, you have the ability to, to join your prayers to those of the family. And that's the beautiful thing about being Catholic is, is we recognize that, that our prayers— do have great benefit for the souls of the of those who have departed, and we also recognize that we're a community. Uh, we are we are the mystical body of Christ, and we're connected not only to all of us here on earth, but we're also connected to those who have gone before us in faith, mm-hmm. and we're also of course connected to the souls in purgatory, for whom we pray. Mm-hmm. So uh, so we we certainly mention uh, Mr. Freddie at the top of the show. He died at seventy nine years old. May his soul and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. All righty. Welcome back to the CU Weekly. Again, we are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise. We hope we're helping you uh, today wherever you are because you're probably getting ready for, for Advent. And so there's going to be a lot of noise. Yep. Just just getting you ready. It's already out there. Yeah, absolutely. It started at a Halloween. That's so right. Before it, that. If you've true, been to yeah. a big box store, then you've certainly seen that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and you, you go in these stores where they play like music like that. It's instrumental music. And you, like that, you, Jeff. Like that. <laughs> like that stuff. No. But it's that instrumental music, and you listen close enough, and you're like, huh? You are playing Christmas music. That's I right. hear you. I hear yeah. you. Yeah, this isn't a Green Day cover. No. I know what that is. Yeah. It's White Christmas. Again. Yeah. In October. In October. <laughs> Get out of here with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, amongst all the noise, uh, here's a, a fun, a fun story. Um, the Holy Father has a new car. Mm-hmm. I, yes. I don't know if you saw this. Did you, did you actually see? Because anytime, anytime the Pope gets a new car, uh, everybody, everybody takes a notice. Of course, right. this was a car worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, it is a papal-themed Lamborghini Huracan. Yes. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so it was given to him by the company executives of Lamborghini. And no, I know what you're thinking, uh, Jamie. He's not going to keep it. <laughs> Aw, but yeah. he would look so cute in it. He would look, it, it matches. Uh, so so uh, let me describe the Lamborghini. Of course, it looks like a Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, it's got these these yellow markings on it, kind of like the, the Vatican flag, right? So it's mm-hmm. got some yellow racing stripes up the center. Mm-hmm. And then it's got these little um, yellow... Um, like trim. Yeah, yeah trim, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't really know the language That's of okay. auto detailing, yeah. I'm afraid. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, um, the the most famous picture that we see of the Holy Father is he's out there having a good time, and he's autographing the car hood. <laughs> yeah, do you, is something you can only do if you're the Pope. That's yeah. right, exactly. Do you wonder if like there's a little piece of him that's just like, man, I just want one, just one turn, just one turn around, just, just one trip up the autobahn. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. gosh! Can yeah. you imagine? Po- like you're on the autobahn, you're going like 170 miles an yeah. hour, and you see you get that, passed by that? a Pope Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah. Chris, I don't know. I don't know that Pope Francis um, ha- has driven himself in in quite a while. Not even his little. At least yet. not that we know of. Yeah, because he ended. He got a um, when he was first named the Pope. Uh, he he. They took this um, uh, 1984 Renault four out. And he used that to kind of drive around, to drive around the Vatican. Mm. And, um, of course, in the U.S., we don't really have the Renault no. um, very much, or the Renault, if you prefer, no. just to anglicize no it. Uh, uh, no, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I figured I needed it to do that. And, uh, and, so, and so, yeah, it was, it was, let's, let's bring one of the – because the, the papal garage is not, is not extensive, but it's not small either. Mm-hmm. There are options, right? And, yeah. and the most typical option is the Mercedes-Benz. Now, for us in the United States, the Mercedes-Benz is kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. But it's it's simply a car brand. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are nicer ones, sure, but 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 the Vatican Mercedes Benz is kind of you know standard, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so it's something to to see the Pope moving from the 1984 um, French car mm-hmm. to the Lamborghini Huracan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's going to auction it off to charity, so it's important to note that. Uh, yes. You, you couldn't even get a driver and the Pope in there at the same time. That is true. I don't think you could fit all of his all of his vestments in there. You know, and that's that that is an occupational hazard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of so his little like it is. Yeah. Yeah. his little stole would be. His what if fascia, it got caught in yeah. the his fascia? What I, if it got caught in the door? That has happened to me. True story. <laughs> um, yes, where where uh, you know I've driven you know sixty miles, <laughs> and in the rain, and I open the car door and I'm like oh. I think I've driven behind you one time and that, I had to text you yeah, and say, hey, right. father, um, you that's got right. some stuff spilling out of your car, don't you? <laughs> yeah, so it's happened more than once. Yeah, exactly. So so the car uh, will be auctioned by Sotheby's in London, and uh, the Pope has decided to give the proceeds to three different charitable causes. Um, so for the restoration of villages on the Nineveh Plain in Iraq, um, assisting the victims of human trafficking, mm-hmm. And missionary work uh, in Africa, and so those are certainly three very worthy charities yeah. um, f- to help very, very human things, right? Mm-hmm. Very uh, immediate needs, um, and so yeah, it, it's it's something to to see this car, but it's important to note that uh, it is a great gift uh, from the Lamborghini folks because mm-hmm. the Lamborghini. Uh, I I don't know much about cars, but I do know that like this is one of the ones that every car aficionado wants to to have like that and the perhaps the ferrari mm-hmm. and then the porsche yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think you're supposed to put a little accent on the e i don't really know you're asking the wrong crowd yeah right uh, jeff is that what you're supposed to do absolutely father oh, good. <laughs> you nailed it you yeah nailed there you go it. so so let's see the 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 renault the 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 pope's 1984 vehicle has a 1.1 liter four-cylinder engine and it produces 34 horse cap power it has a top speed of 75 yeah i know that's like a scooter it's so cute that's right (laughs) and and if it's as i remember those types of cars sounding it sounds a little bit like a really nice lawnmower yeah Yeah, exactly Yeah, so the, the Lamborghini uh, has a 5.2 liter engine. It's a V10 that produces 575 <laughs> horsepower with a top speed of 199 miles per hour. So you can see there's a little speed differential. And if you've ever been to Vatican City, I don't think you have enough space to actually <laughs> get up to, you know, 75, let alone 199. You should have like a street race with Pope Benedict in the Renault. And Pope yes. Francis and the Lamborghini. Oh, yeah. I, people would pay. But you want to talk about charity. People yeah. would pay big money yeah. to see that. I, yeah, I, I, I think that would be something. Although right now, Pope Benedict, have you seen his little rolling walker thing that yes. he uses? Yeah. He could 
could do the Renault. It's not too much for him. <laughs> that's right. <You> just, <laughs> 75 uh, miles per hour. That's nothing. Holiness, <laughs> just uh, press your foot on this pedal here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you'll you'll note that uh, Pope Francis has done similar auctions uh, using the high-end gifts because people give gifts to the Vatican all the time. And I don't know that they expect the Pope to keep them, yeah. you know, especially when the camera's there, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so the, the, the street price, I guess, for this Lamborghini is $250,000. I can't even imagine a car costing that much. But, a lot so, of Rice Krispie Treats. It is a lot of Rice mm. Krispie Treats, Kathleen. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> well, because that was your pick uh, of the week. Oh, that is true. Yeah. Oh, that is true. Yeah. I forgot. Mm. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so he's also auctioned off a Harley Davidson Dyna Superglide, um, which was sold to a private buy- buyer for roughly three hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars. Wow! Mm. And and that was um, uh, far exceeding that that sixteen to twenty-two thousand dollar estimate of, of what it cost the motorcycle mm-hmm. cost. Mm-hmm. So that's again a really beautiful thing that that people say. Well, this is something that was given to the Pope. Uh, he is doing charitable work, so I'm not going to just, you know, buy the thing for the market cost. But sure. like so many nonprofit kind of situations, you're like, well, I'm going to give more because it's going to one of the Pope's charities. Um, let's see. The Harley motorcycle jacket signed by Francis sold for nearly $68,000. What? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Um, after his September 2015 visit to the U.S., uh, during which he rode in a Fiat Chrysler, um, uh, they made a pair of Fiat 500Ls. Uh, Cinquecentos um, <laughs> available for the Pope to use, and those were auctioned off to support a local charity as well. Uh, in 2016, one of his Zacchettos, you know, the white, uh, I hate calling this skull cap because I think it sounds weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The, his, his little hat, uh, the Zacchetto, um, uh, so that was sold for around $18,000. And Pope Francis actually still does the Zacchetto exchange. I don't know if you've seen that. I want to do that so bad. <laughs> yeah, so if you hand at the papal audience, if you hand him one, mm. he'll hand you his and he'll put yours on. I want it. Good to know. Wow. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. So so uh, you can go into any of the, the, the shops like Barbaconi or Gamarelli or Doritis, and you can ask them for the Pope's size. And they know exactly what you're wow. going to do. That's how they mark the price up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, and so, so there you go. Um, yeah. Um, there you go. That's uh, that's why I wish I was like this. This is this is the reason I wish I was rich, so that I could buy things and like that the Pope touched. You know. Oh, so that's what you you would be the person buying the Lamborghini. Yeah. Oh, if I could buy the Lamborghini, the Pope's Lamborghini, in a heartbeat. You would. Really? Yeah. If I had money, sure. To support the charity. Yeah, yeah. Not of to course. say. Yeah, yes, but, yes. Right. And also to yes. say that the Pope touched it. Right. I, but I also right. love a good auction for a cause. I mean, I yeah. will shop until I drop. And it's like the game is on because you, cause it's about the game. It's about supporting Kathleen's good very stuff. driven. That's right. It's, then it's a, and, and of course about supporting. No, no, I, no, I wouldn't. No, I, I, I post up. Yeah. And I give the look. Yeah, she does. Look at those crazy eyes. Like, I'm a teacher. I know these things. Maybe I need to bring Kathleen with me whenever I. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are times that, you know, because priests go to auctions and I'll, I'll make my one or my two bids, mm-hmm. you know. But then after it goes, I was like, oh, yeah. oh no. Or even at silent auction, you could like post her up next to the table of the oh, item yeah, that you really want. Yeah, and I'll yeah. just be like, Move along. You don't want to throw. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing not the item you're looking nothing for. This is not the item you're looking for. Right. Nothing oh, to see Oh, a Star here. Wars <laughs> reference. Yeah, well, yeah. Good you're day. Yeah. 
Good day. I said good I day. Said good day. <laughs> oh I think someone's calling you across the room. <laughs> yeah, she just gets out her I'm a religion teacher face. Yeah, is that what that exactly is? Exactly what that yeah, was. That's what it is. Yeah. Still works. Jeez. I'm all about it. There you go. Well, uh, it's at this point in the show, uh, Gemma, that you probably need to be made aware that we are the Catholic Underground. <laughs> <laughs> We're making fun with you. You know, it's kind of the indoctrination. Jamie had to go through the same thing. It's, it's true. part of the, the gentle hazing of the Catholic underground, which we are. You found it. You're listening to it. You're watching it. Uh, we are online always at catholicunderground.tv. Yo soy Father Chris Decker. We've also got uh, Jeff Blackwell up in space. Let's see if I can get this. Olivia Galino, Jamie Cherry, Gemma Wildsmith. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, and then, and then, and then me. Kathleen Lee. That's right. <laughs> our, our picks of the week are definitely coming up in, in a moment. But first, we want to talk about something that is opening of all places mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C. In Washington, D.C. Now, I had been to a concert a couple of years ago, um, uh, Chris Tomlin concert, and he had been talking about this new Bible museum that they were putting together. And I went, a Bible museum? What? This is going to be, I was not super excited about it because yeah. I thought it might be Boring. Uh, lame. Yes. Yeah. And, um, but it opened in DC yeah. on November 18th of just a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a world It's a class, very stately building. Yeah. It's, it's like two blocks from the Smithsonian's. So it's, so it's very good real estate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a world-class museum that explores the Hebrew and Christian scriptures and all of their many confounding aspects. Mm. So it's, it's really interesting the way that they've, they've, um, come to explore what does the Bible mean? Because, and what does it say? So yeah. the same text we know um, that we share that we share mm-hmm. um, can be has has been through some experiences, right? So <laughs> to put it lightly, yeah. What I like is the way that it was funded because yeah. you're thinking, well, who who's going to spend money to build a Bible museum? Because to do it there on yep. that piece of real estate can't be cheap or easy. Yeah, and this is why I want to be rich so I can do oh. I can have Bible <laughs> yeah. museums. Right, but it was largely financed <coughs> by the Green family who own Hobby Lobby. <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah. If you love Hobby Lobby like me, that's right. Yeah, they, there it is. Mm, Do they sell knitting needles in the gift shop? Yeah, oh, that would I don't be know. I wonder if there's any branded merchandise. Right, there's got to be yeah. like mm. at least one like porcelain vase. Probably yeah, like, like a needlepoint re- reproduction. Oh yeah. Oh, of like cross stitch scripture verses. Oh, yeah. there, there you go. Or the, then, or maybe the Shema. Uh, you could cross stitch the Shema. Yeah, or you could do like make your own mezuzah, I've like to go control. on your door. <laughs> We've lost control. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so now we now the DIY queen. To go, I know I am, and I love me a good Hobby Lobby because mm, they have some good instrumentals where you have to stop for a minute and go, oh yeah, yeah. They do. That's right. That's definitely <laughs> they do. Yep. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a little a little walking tour of this massive new museum and so um when you walk in the front door there's a 34 foot reproduction of the gutenberg bible wow right and so but this is just um just kind of an an entry into the diversity that this museum is Mm -hmm. right so um so you walk in there's there's that and then there's ornate 
paintings that are on loan from the Vatican. That's right, the so, Vatican Museum collection. Yeah. yeah, and if you've ever seen any, I haven't seen those in person. I mean, one day, whatever. Kathleen. One day. Got, we've, we've got to get you to your Swiss guard. Oh my Swiss guard, my heart. All right. So they, these hang. This winter. I know. On Hallmark. Coming. Yeah. Oh my gosh. These hang just a few yards away from um, a hands-on children's play area, yeah. which I would be very interested to see what's going on in this play area. Like, are we? Historical critical archaeology? Yeah, I think so. I think <laughs> so. And both of these are only steps from um, some digital kiosks where guests can pick up touchscreen tablets that provide a museum tour based on their preferences. Oh, that's kind of neat. Yeah. yeah. And so they hired um, this a veteran theme park executive. Um, the board hired, the museum board hired to oversee this whole project. And she says, quote, we're here to create a learning experience for people. With trends today, we want to do it in a way that is very engaging. I'm not sure the 3x5 index card typed with information stuck in a showcase is relevant right now. Right, which is just if you've ever been to any kind of museum growing up, you know, those of us who are our age, that's kind of how it was. Here is something and here's a little explanation. Right. Mm -hmm. And here is something, an artifact, and here is, a, you know, a short mm -hmm. explanation. I'm the only guy I know who actually just stands there and reads. Everybody oh, just yeah. kind of scans. Yeah, I love to read all of them. I love that too. Like, yeah. Oh, this was the calculator that they used to calculate Apollo 13. Sweet. That's right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and yet, that's kind of seen its day, especially. When you look at the fact that people are uh, very comfortable on their phones and mm. very comfortable using technology, yeah. Well, you have you also have to look at it in a way of how how is this different than what I can get on my phone? True. Mm. You know, yeah. if I can find all this information, tour, yeah. yeah. Well, if I can find all this information, then then how am I experiencing mm -hmm. it differently? How yeah. is the experience? Different? And a good museum does that. Kind of helps yeah. to transport you into everything that's around the yeah. artifacts that you're looking at. Well, that's what I you know a couple weeks ago I went to the um, the national. Um, World War II civil, Museum? Civil Rights oh, Museum. Oh, the Civil Rights Museum. Yeah, and they did an That's right. excellent job, mm -hmm. an excellent job, excellent job. So, but every museum um, has its controversies, but few topics are more filled with potential pitfalls than the Bible in its history. You don't say. As we <laughs> know, right? So various controversies dogged the project. I know it took a long time for them to raise money and, and get this thing started. Um, but as things took shape, it became obvious that the museum would stand or fall on the approach it took to the material. Mm -hmm. right? And so you have to be inclusive, you have to look at it from all different angles, yeah. um, and, and they, they and did this And all the different peoples that claim in some mm -hmm. part the Bible itself, yeah. yeah. And so for those who, who have been, say that the approach is um, mostly neutral. Um, the museum's vice president, Steve Bickley, the vice president of marketing, excuse me, um, said, there are many traditions that call the Bible their own. We are respectful and invite them all, which I think is the only way that you can do mm -hmm. this kind of, of project. Um, and the, the museum's president, Carrie Summers, added that people of any faith and no faith can come here and engage in the Bible, mm -hmm. which I think is also very important, is, is members who are of, of no faith, right. um, who view the Bible as a historical text, right. and that, that alone. Um, yeah. So... Um, the museum hired some of the leading scholars and groups in the world to check the work at every turn. So they were constantly looking at what are we doing this correctly? Are yeah. we representing all these different groups, um, you know, accurately? And so um, there's an interesting question that comes to us from uh, from Facebook. Uh, Karen hmm. says, what do they have there that would make me as a Catholic want to go there? Hmm. I'd have to answer the Bible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the things that that we often forget is that the Bible itself uh, and the canon of Scripture comes through through the Catholic faith. It yeah. comes to us through the great councils of the church. Yeah. And, uh, and so anything that can help to immerse us in the scriptures 
um, even if it is a, a differential view, right? Even if it is something that's coming from different perspectives, that's actually that's a helpful tool for sure. interpreting the Bible. And uh, and if you can go from floor to floor, as you'll do in a yeah. second here, um, to talk about how the Bible has impacted uh, society, like you say, even for people of no faith, yeah. then as a Catholic, that's beneficial. That's useful sure. for me mm-hmm. because then I can learn uh, how how the Bible that that I hear at Mass. Um, is is part of the world at large and yeah. how it should be a part of the world at large. Yeah, yeah. So so just a, a quick look at the the museum itself. It actually has eight floors, um, with you know special exhibits, a restaurant. There's all kinds of things. It's got but two restaurants, like a cafe and a restaurant. Yeah. One of them's called uh, uh, Milk and Honey. Yeah. Oh, I good on that. And the other is called Mana, I think. <laughs> yes, yes. Very nice. But there are three actual um, floors of exhibits, and so the, the so the second floor or the first floor of exhibit is called the impact of the Bible, and it begins with the influence of the Bible in America because mm. that's where we are. Um, and so it looks at diverse beliefs in the New World through the growth of government, religious awakening, slavery, civil rights to today. Um, it follows a course not always so smooth, mm-hmm. um, as we know. Um, like just, even scripture itself yeah. <laughs> follows a course not so smooth, and yet yeah. the Lord writes writes beautifully how mm-hmm. uh, the pathway is made straight, even through the hills and valleys of, yeah. of history. And the displays show not only how the Bible inspired abolitionists and the civil rights movement, but also how it was used to justify slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, so presenting how both sides of the Bible are essential to the museum's approach, mm-hmm. even if that means including materials such as um, such as a pro-slavery book that they have called A Brief Examination of Scriptural Testimony on the Institution of Slavery. Mm-hmm. So again, we're looking at it from, from all different sides, which I think is is super important. The good. second floor of um, exhibits is called focuses on stories of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so um, the Hebrew Bible space guides people through 15 galleries over 30 minutes, and each tells a portion of the Bible story from creation to the rise of David, with light, sound, music, and imagery. I'm all about it. Again, this idea that like we're 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 awakening Immersing, this. Yeah. yeah, it's an experience and not just something that we go and see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the world of Jesus of Nazareth, I think, is awesome. It's a themed environment with recreations of village life in the time of Jesus. So you're literally walking through um, what Jesus might have seen. Yeah, you know the sights and sounds. Uh, so it's one of the most striking features is a recreation of a typical village synagogue. Ooh, neat. Awesome. Um, and then let's, let's go ahead and look at the fourth floor is where the main historical exhibits are gathered, displaying the fruits of the museum's painstaking search for manuscripts, books, and artifacts. So they're looking for articles, sure. for, for things. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so it's artifacts. here that visitors see the difficult balance um, the designers and the consultants had to strike when presenting these materials. How do we make something that is uh, textual mm-hmm. exciting mm-hmm. and something that we want to look at? And so I, w- mm-hmm. I want to look real quick at... Um, uh, what is what what is it as a Catholic that we're looking at? Um, and um, in 2012, the museum brought uh, its traveling Verbum Domini exhibit mm-hmm. to the Vatican, which helped forge relationships with the Vatican museums and the Vatican libraries. And so they're they're in cahoots, really, mm-hmm. which is a and poor they should term, be because if the you're going to be in cahoots with yeah. a Christian organization, the Vatican Library right. has a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Catholic uh, Catholicism permeates the arts and exhibits. So, for example, a section of paintings and sculptures show how um, artists depicted the Virgin Mary throughout mm-hmm. history. That's awesome. Dorothy Day and Saint Josephina 
Paquita mm -hmm. highlight um, an exhibit on social justice. Nice. There's the prayer book of Emperor, Emperor Charles V, That's cool. who condemned That's Luther awesome. as an outlaw, and various versions of the Vulgate and the Dewey Reims Bible, My among goodness. other Catholic versions. Um, and so, so the Catholics are there, mm -hmm. um, and it's important that that we're there along with everybody else who uses this text as. As, as scripture. As scripture. Yeah. My goodness. Mm -hmm. Well, we have to take a break, but stay right there because there's more on the Catholic Underground coming right up. A prayer for vocations. O oh God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live. Grant, we beseech you, through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, St. Joseph, her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Welcome back. You found the Catholic Underground with me, Father Chris Decker, joined by Olivia Galino, Jamie Cherry, Gemma Wild Smith. I'm me. I'm back. Kathleen Lee, Jeff's up there in space. Yeah. Our picks of the week are coming up. I want, I'm sorry. I want to say windsmith, but a windsmith would be someone who actually crafts. Wind. wind which so would be like kind of cool of the gods, like. yeah right exactly <laughs> one like of the a, four gods of the east yeah. or the, of north, although south, windcraft yeah. would be a neat last name too windcraft but yeah. it would probably windcroft right yeah no that, but that, that would be like a tomb of, of wind are you suggesting that she change her name to Gemma Windcraft? <laughs> <laughs> if she decides to write and needs a you know yeah, a yeah, nom my, de plume yeah my pen name yeah, yeah. Like yeah. dilly needs. dilly change the name <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Well, well, uh, welcome back to the Catholic Underground. Uh, now that we've gone through all of that, and uh, and you know, we, we talk a lot about um, about the beauty of the liturgy on our program, and we talk about uh, being able to to recognize the Lord in the mystery of, of femininity and masculinity and all those things that are that are, of course, they're timeless, but they're also very in right now in terms of Catholic circles. And so Bishop Robert Barron, uh, being a philosopher extraordinaire, uh, is trying to find the way to use some of these ancient ideals to be able to speak to, to people today who may not have any philosophical framework whatsoever. Yeah. So we thought we'd talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and I think this is so pertinent. I mean, um, the blog post that we're taking this from, one of his that we're taking this from is back in February. Um, but I think it's relevant, especially since he was just uh, appointed the chair of what? which committee on the USCCB? It's like Evangelization and Culture or something that's, like that. That's correct. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, um, which is a great sign for our Conference of Catholic Bishops that he's going to be at the helm of evangelization because um, he really has a, a, a head for it, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. And his point in this blog post is basically that, you know, if we return to the transcendentals, which are goodness, truth, and beauty, um, that that's the way that people will be evangelized, that that's the way that people will start to have conversion, that turning towards, um, because those are the things that people see in, in other people that we can say are holy, and yeah. and those are the things that, that make people want to be like them. Um, that's the things that, that are recognizable. Um, and so he, he recognizes that 
you know, we live in a world that's very relativistic. So when it comes to proclaiming truth, when it comes to, to being people of good morals, um, those are the, the, the means of evangelizing that really are going to be um, the most effective, but they're also the things that are going to provoke argument and things that are going to yeah. cause some, some dissonance. Um, but in the end, you know, if they are truly things that are good and true and beautiful, then those are the things that will be to the greatest service of, of the effort of evangelization. Yeah, because if you think about it, that's really even what, what good secular humanists are all about is, well, I want to do good because it's good to do good, right? right. Or, or at the very least, it feels good to do good. Mm-hmm. And so there is kind of, well, it's, I guess it's part of the natural law. The, the desire to do good and to receive good is kind of written within us. Mm-hmm. And, and so even somebody who may not have any sort of gospel background can, can, at, least, um, can at least follow that inner inkling, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah, and it's appeal to the human nature, mm-hmm. appeal to the human spirit. So it's not foreign to us, like you were saying, to mm-hmm. want to do good things, to want to be good people. And really, um, that's the way, um, he, he argues, uh, that, that we're going to be able to live out the Christian way most concretely is through goodness, through moral rectitude or just moral uprightness. Um, so by being good people and by doing it heroically, um, that that's the way that, that people are going to see that. And, and even if it's the most you know, hardened unbeliever to faith, he says, that that's going to be the thing that, that causes that inward turn of the heart. Even if it's just, you know, it's like turning a stone just a little bit, that's a lot when it comes to someone's mm-hmm. conversion, when it comes to, to someone returning to the faith or coming to the faith for the first time. Uh, and really, like, that principle uh, has been proven time and again um, since the inception of Christianity, um, since the Christ instituted the church. That's been um, the way that, that he forms hearts. That's the way he himself uh, converted yeah. people. That's the way he drew people to himself. Um, think about um, the fishermen that he called. You know, they didn't know him. <laughs> right, that's right. You know, it had to be an, an inward movement of the heart to get them to, to come and follow him because they had no idea. Maybe they'd heard of him, but it's a whole different thing to hear about someone yeah. than to drop everything in your life and follow them. That's how that has to be an inward that's movement of the true. heart. Gemma, have, have you always been a Catholic? Yes. Yeah, I was born and raised Catholic. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, w- I was just thinking as, as you know, we're talking about the, the, the turn towards the good. Um, in, in your being born and raised Catholic, did you did you have a moment where you where where you converted, if you will, or experienced a reversion to the faith? Or um, I don't know whether there's ever been like a big single moment. There's right. been lots of small, sure, little moments along Recognitions the way. Recognitions of beauty. Yeah, absolutely, and moments of encounter, like with the Lord, mm-hmm. that's just taken me deeper into a yes to mm-hmm. Him. I suppose, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that always fascinates me, and I realize that I haven't spoken to either of you since we've started the show, <laughs> and, and 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 it occurred to me that that this more than anything perhaps would be one of those things that that really kind of can resonate too. Mm-hmm. Because we are, we're drawn to, to, to goodness. And, and one of the things that I, I really love about, about uh, um, the kingdom that is united, at least most of the time, <laughs> uh, is that it is, it is a green and pleasant land. It's beautiful. It is, yeah. And so to be able to see, to, to be able to see the Lord in, in the land that you have been given, mm. you know, um, and, and the people from uh, the Catholics that I know, uh, they really have a, a deep sense of their Catholicism, and it's 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 something that has to be um, to really kind of be con- continued in a world where where Anglicanism looks the same but isn't, you know. Yeah. And so there is a. Yeah, I think in England, um, a lot of people had to fight to be Catholic, you know, right. historically, and so there is a 
there's a leftover sense of that mm-hmm. amongst some of the people mm-hmm. of yeah that this, it's quite a big deal to yeah yeah well, exactly absolutely mm-hmm. and that, i mean that's why you have things like the catholic truth society and things mm-hmm. of that nature uh to be able to reflect what is good mm-hmm. you know yeah um so so i think that's beautiful do you know bishop robert Barron, by the way i mean because of the internet maybe i know or, of him yeah i yeah. don't know him personally oh, there, there i'd like go. to we all know him personally <laughs> that's at right. this table. that's right yes uh, we, we've we've had we've, we've shared a spot of many beverages no we haven't no, no, no. uh but so if we're open want, to it yeah. yeah if you ever want to be a guest <laughs> that's right yeah because Kathleen apparently has the hotline on bishops I do. Uh, as of late. <laughs> I have so. many bishop friends. Many, many. <laughs> That's right. Yet none of them have given you a Lamborghini. No. That's right. Yet. Come Yet. on. Yes. Have some faith. There yeah. you go. So, so we, we, we look at, at the notion of, of goodness, and as mm-hmm. you said, even Jesus himself... Uh, kind of uses that as the basis. If you think about the Sermon on the Mount, that's what he was saying. Yeah. Uh, do good, mm-hmm. uh, avoid evil, mm-hmm. and in so doing, you will understand what it means not only to, to be blessed by my Father, but also to begin to inherit what my Father wants for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, consequently, he also talks about, like in our gospel today, that, that you're going to be held to account for the, the ways in which you were genuinely reflecting good Mm -hmm. and he who is good right and I think it's important what you were saying about um you know people had to fight to be Catholic um and you don't do that for an intellectual movement you don't do that for an ideology um you know people will hold on to ideologies until the moment that they're they have to suffer for them Mm -hmm. and then it's like well who who said I believe that I don't believe that um but when it's something like like we're talking about here like you're you're converted by beauty you're you're drawn to truth that's the thing that holds on to you and you know you can't give it up you know that's um in Bishop Barron talks about um like the early church the early Romans when they were um when the church was was spreading throughout the Roman Empire um you know it was a scandalous thing to be a Christian because it was so radically different um and and a lot of uh, the church fathers appealed to like the moral component of Christianity being the thing that was most striking um Tertullian even says how these Christians love one another Mm. um and he's, you know, giving that that pagan reaction to what they must be seeing, um, because the truth is, you know, in that time, they left uh, infants out who were just unwanted or maybe sick in some way. Mm-hmm. They left them out exposed in trash piles to die. Right. Um, the sick and the poor were left to their own devices, like figure it out or, or die yourself right. or right. murderous revenge was just a matter of course, you know, almost you like modern me. society. Mm. For real. You know, that's the thing is, mm-hmm. is we, 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 we don't want, we don't see the beauty in, in, in personhood and humanity. Mm-hmm. And that really is the, the Christian difference, I suppose, mm-hmm. is being able to draw that goodness out of what may on the surface seem to be quite off putting, Yeah, you know, cause, cause poverty is not pretty. Um, uh, you know, uh, illness and sickness and, and um, advanced diseases are often not pretty, mm-hmm. but but to be able to say there there is there is a goodness in this, you know, yeah. that there is a, an inherent goodness in the person that's suffering. Right, and I think it must have been such a, a striking thing too to see how the Christians took such care to bury their dead. Like I think about the catacombs mm-hmm. and yeah. how you know. They could have just, you know, uh, buried people where they could in mass graves. I mean, the Romans, they didn't care so much about where they buried people. Only, like, important people had monuments built to them or temples built over them. It was more for the memory 
right. of, of their valor than it was for... Or some kind of deification. Right. But the Christians, they took care to bury every single person mm-hmm. and to offer them homage. And I think that, that too, I mean, they did it in secret, but that too is just, that shows the Christian character. And, and that that comes out in the person, you know, even though they did it in secret, mm-hmm. they still live that character. And that's the thing that, that people see in you. And they don't know, maybe they can't put a name to it, but they, right. they're like, there's something and I want that. It's almost the same way that uh, that we look at, at asceticism, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you think about somebody, well, like just Lent, yeah. if you think about, well, fasting, that ain't pretty mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah. you know? I mean, especially when you feel the gurgles, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not pretty. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. But, but there is a good, and, and uh, Bishop Barron would even talk about kind of yeah the, like the, the monks and um, yeah he calls them athletes right? I love it. yeah he yeah. says the spiritual athletes that took to the caves deserts and hills in order to live a radical form of the christian life mm-hmm. uh and that's really the truth you know to, to be able to do that that sounds nuts like i mean yeah. you, you think about you read about the desert fathers or just um people like bernard of clairvaux mm-hmm. or um i don't know the anthony of the anthony desert of the or desert. any of them saint I mean, benedict yeah saint benedict any of them and you're just like that honestly that sounds really crazy like why why would you think that's a good idea is everything together with upstairs like are you feeling all right like did you have someone to take care of you is it heat Um, stroke because if you're in the desert it could be heat. it could be heat stroke and you just need some water um but no i mean out of out of these these radical movements um monasticism emerged a spiritual movement that led to the re-civilization of europe it didn't die in the desert yeah it it thrived yeah exactly It, it became this oasis that then spread to the areas that were not the desert right it was it's like an overflow mm. it so is from the heart that experiences and lives that mm-hmm. it's the overflow to others yeah oh wow that's beautiful so, yeah. yeah so it is it's it's the work of it's the work of grace because yeah. god's grace doesn't just supply sufficiently mm-hmm. it supplies in abundance yeah. Yeah. and that's really what what uh what god's goodness wants to do right if, mm-hmm. if god creates and calls it good, and he creates us, and he calls us very good, mm-hmm. then that goodness is not simply sufficient. Mm-hmm. It, it's always, God wants everything to be very, very good. Right, and yeah. so he just keeps pouring out. And it's like John 10, like, I come so you have life and have it abundantly. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's going to provide for that overflow, that superabundance. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, you were talking about uh, that this year, this coming year, you get to go to, you hope anyway, to the Benedictines, the Benedictine community. Yeah, so um, I have friends that live and work alongside um, a Benedictine community in England called Worth Abbey, Mm -hmm. and um, we're going to spend Easter week with them with a young adults conference. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we're going to be there for the Easter vigil. Um, on Holy Saturday, and it's going to be. I was going to say on the bo- and before before the show, she was talking about it, and, and you could just see like there's this excitement <laughs> yeah, because it's going to be beautiful. I mean, the Abbey there, Church yeah. is incredible. The monks singing, mm-hmm. it's just going to be, mm-hmm. yeah. And we're, and we're drawn to that. I mean, that's I think that's what Bishop mm-hmm. Barron is kind of getting at too. Is that we, we are there, there's something in us that goes beyond sentimentality at some oh, point yeah. and towards encounter. And and the ancients thought that this this transcendental of good and true and beautiful, um, they didn't necessarily say that it was God, mm-hmm. but but they were kind of setting things up for like Thomas Aquinas to pick it up and say, oh, we, we know who it is, or even right. Paul, we we know who this is. Mm-hmm. This is this is the God that you don't know yet. Right. 
But it's almost like you pick up on those contradictory signs that right. that otherness um, is your signal towards something is real, something is happening. Yeah. Um, and I mean, <clears throat> I was reading something the other day about how um, like Catholicism has become a kind of hipster movement, um, just <laughs> yeah. because it's so other. It's retro. It's so and other. yeah, <laughs> and especially you know, I mean, I don't know if you if you've noticed like especially where we are, there's been like this return to more like traditional forms of just anything yeah. when yeah. it comes yeah. to Catholicism, yeah. and it's it's very attractive to people yeah. mm-hmm. um people notice it because there's usually outward signs of it that's right um and then it, they notice you know like the inward change that we're talking about too and it's all very you know attractive um, and becomes kind of a hipster thing like oh yeah. well where do you go to mass that's right yeah because yeah, counter- they sing the antiphons yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's countercultural, right and so people are looking for what what is yeah what is that difference yeah that yeah. different thing and yeah. but that's the that's the interesting thing about about the hipster culture is it's also it's drawn to beauty beautiful things mm-hmm. That's true. you know it's it's drawn to goodness because i mean let, let's face it the world for the past 50 100 150 years has not been very beautiful at times yeah. in fact you know with especially with modernization and industrialization everything can kind of become just a, a you know a, a rusty steel uh, wall mm-hmm. and and so the the hipster movement i never thought i'd be an apologist for it but <laughs> but there there is a desire for the good there's a yeah. desire to say well what's the history behind this object huh can can i meet the chicken i'm about to eat you mm-hmm. know that kind of a extreme there yeah, you're right uh, but there is this notion of, of what's the story yeah and and that's always what what um, being drawn to these transcendentals, being drawn to the good, mm-hmm. ultimately invites us towards us. What's the story? Mm-hmm. Of course, we know the story is a word, mm-hmm. the logos, mm-hmm. the eternal word. Yeah, yeah, you see there, see how it works. Uh, yeah. And we, particularly in times of you know corruption, or like you were talking yeah. about, like we're we're in a time now where where it's very utilitarian and we're almost stripped down in terms of our personhood. Um, and, you know, back in the 13th century, they were experiencing something similar. There's a lot of corruption in the church, um, especially among the clergy. And so there were people, again, who took it among themselves to say, okay, let's return to these transcendentals. Let's yeah. let's return to what we know is true and good and beautiful. So you have people like Francis and Dominic uh, and all of their confreres who basically, they founded these different mendicant orders, which is basically to say they, they begged. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the way that they chose to live out God's, God's providence and it um, causes kind of like a reboot you know a yeah. spiritual reboot yeah and that's the interesting thing about church history is that over and over again you see i mean we're human you know we make mistakes we fall especially and even in the church um but there's always uh, you know the holy spirit is always guiding the movements of the of holy mother church and so you see these people who come out of the woodwork to say like no no no, no guys like let's right the ship again and, and let's keep going where we know we need to be going and these are the the movements that change lives these are the movements that change civilizations um so you have people like the dominicans and the franciscans who are still you know stalwarts of Catholicism today uh, and it's because they have that that view in mind of we're committed to the truth this is why we even exist uh, and we find that same dynamic in our own time I mean think about the most powerful evangelization uh, powerful evangelist of, uh, of the 21st century 20th century uh, was a woman who never wrote anything of significance she was not an apologist she never engaged people in public debate um, she never produced a beautiful work of art or, or not even religious art or anything like that. And, and of course, we're talking about St. Teresa of Kolkata, but she didn't do anything of significance that the world would say is significant. Right. Yeah. But she changed the world. Yeah. She did. In a That's very right. radical way. And what did she do? She loved people. Mm-hmm. She loved people that no one else thought was worthy of love. That's right. That's it. It's something so simple. And that's like, you know, that's the 
the way, the little way of St. Teresa or St. Teresa of Lisieux. Uh, it's that little way of uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe. Yeah. Uh, that, that humility that just permeates your entire being. That's what changes people. That's, That's right. what, what makes people like blessed father, Solanus Casey. Yes. He was, he was so simple. I mean, they even <laughs> named him a priest simplex because he was so <laughs> That's right. like, they, they said he was too simple in the mind to do anything of significance. That's right. And if you and remember Jeff, do? a priest simplex, that's a guy who says mass. Yeah. Maybe hears confessions and that's it. Right. No other faculties. But mm. there is beauty in simply simply doing that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and and those are the those are the ones who move the world, right? Those mm. are the ones who not by their own power cause a seismic shift, mm-hmm. but because of the power flowing through them. Huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Pope Francis talks about the revolution of tenderness. Yes, oh, yes, and it so. goes with that of that that just the small acts of love, um, and just doing things simply of, mm-hmm. yeah, and it causes a revolution. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, I, I need to 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 learn from from that quite often because mm-hmm. you know, uh, whenever and that's the thing. Like whenever you are overtaxed, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, right? Mm-hmm. The halt principle, <laughs> Kathleen. Um, yeah, you, you, you tend, usually the very first thing to go is, is tenderness, right? Yeah. Usually the very first thing to go, and we immediately, mm-hmm. we try and kind of grasp at what we think is our own good, mm-hmm. and we stop looking for what is actually good. And so you do. You have people like Pope Francis and like Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. now St. Mother Teresa, um, who, who show us that, no, 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 all this stuff, it doesn't matter how stressed out you are, no, this is what is good. Yeah. You know, this is what is good. This is the direction you should go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, I said it a minute ago, but that we live in a, a time where people are very focused on what's happening intellectually, what's happening academically, yeah. and how that's those are the movements that are going to change people. Like, if I can just convince you that I'm right, then you'll be better off. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have evidence throughout history, and especially in our own time, um, you know, Bishop Robert Barron mentions a story uh, that Gerard Manley Hopkins, who was he was trying to console someone who was struggling to accept the truths of Christianity, um, and he was a he's a Jesuit poet. Um, he told he didn't tell him to read a book or to consult someone else's argument to convince him in the mind, but he said, "Give alms, yeah. uh, because the living of the Christian thing has persuasive power." Right. Um, that's that's what like we've been saying. That's what changes hearts. That's what's going to. Uh, to bring someone to, to to dispose them to be able to understand things later. You know, we think of theology; it's faith seeking understanding, right. uh, and we're always on that journey of understanding. But you still have to live that faith, and it's got to be active. It's got to be true, good, mm-hmm. and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even in the, in the the darkest chapters of recent church history, even in the darkest chapters of of ancient church history, you know, we always have this light, this hope, and it comes from living the truth, the beauty, the goodness of our Christian faith, of our Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so that even when those those secularist movements come up, even yep. when we're challenged in those ways, we always have hope That's because right. we have the beauty of the gospel. And there are always the new movements that rise up. Mm-hmm. That's been, been the most beautiful thing of, of the springtime of the of the church is the young are drawn to all of this stuff, and they're not drawn yeah. to this secularism. Don't believe what you watch on TV. That's right. Not every young person is is devoid of goodness. No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. In fact, churches are beginning to fill. Um, all over the world, especially in the East and mm-hmm. in Africa. Um, Cardinal George, the late Cardinal George, says, I'm looking for the new orders. I'm looking for these new movements. Mm-hmm. Because in times of crisis, the Holy Spirit raises up not just good thinkers, but saints. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we need, right? Yeah. We, don't just, we don't just need good arguments. We need good philosophy so we can have good arguments, but mm-hmm. we need saints. Mm-hmm. And they are always there. Well, uh, we have gone uh, well into the time of the show. Gemma, this is, this is a part <laughs> of our program. 
And, and, and we like to, actually, I should say this first. Uh, Jenna says, wow, I love hearing Gemma speak. She sounds so wise. <laughs> because she is. I, no, obviously, she is. <laughs> exactly. That's right. You're just a rebroadcaster. Well, anyway, this is the part of the show that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. So the way this goes is we go around around the horn again, and I guess we'll have to do it fairly quickly because, well, you know, uh, only only nine or so minutes of the show to go. But let's say, Kathleen, your pick of the week. Yes, you know what time it is. Uh, Thanksgiving is done. Halloween decorations are packed up. It is now Advent, but <laughs> also but soon, Christmas time. Yeah. And you know what that means. From the gift giver's heart, now we start the gift giver's guide. Yay. So I wanted to tell you about one thing that if you are looking for somebody who is religious yet trendy in your life, you should check out Ellie and Grace. Now this is a, they do mainly women's t-shirts with, um, you know, scripture phrases or, um, popular worship song, you know, lyrics on it. I mean, you, you can de- kind of decide what kind of t-shirts you want, what, um, colors you want. Um, and, is relatively like $27, which is a good graphic tee. And I wanted to show you the one that I bought. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, my oh gosh. you have one. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. My mom is not wow. excited about this shirt. But um, I told her I work with youth, and so I bought this one. Ta-da! <laughs> awesome. It says, I love Jesus and naps. And I, des- I designed it my, like I designed the colors and picked the, the gold Glittery, glittery, yeah. Yes, so check out Ellie and Grace. Beautiful, beautiful, good work. Nice. There it is. There you go. All right. Hey, Gemma, you're new to the gang, so your pick of the week. Yeah, so for anyone that's looking for some new Christian music, um, back home in England, I'm part of a Catholic worshipping community called One Hope Project, and they launched their second album this year called Let It Sound. Um, My favourite song on the album is called Life in Colour, and so the lyrics are, life with you is life in colour. And it's just a great, great album. Look them up on iTunes and support them. One Hope Project. Yeah, One Hope Project, Let, it, let sound. it Sound. Very nice. good. All right. I, I, love a, I love a new group to, <laughs> to, to sink my uh, music listening ears into. Your earbuds into My earbuds, yeah. Your earbuds. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. Jamie, Jamie, what's your pick today? Um, I have a return to, I think it was Father Chris's pick of the week a while ago yeah, while, the, yeah, yeah. while the Kickstarter was going on, but the Every Sacred Sunday it's journal came in. I received it as a birthday gift. Mm. And when you talk about things being good, true, and beautiful, yeah. this is no, they hit it. all oh, yes. of those things. Like it's formatted so well, and it's got all the, um, the readings for the Sunday Masses, Holy Days of Obligation, and Solemnities. It even has and, the optional readings. And the optional readings. <laughs> and it has like a very short, like maybe half a page space to jot down a thought or so every mm-hmm. Sunday, right. which is small and that's really and cool. less I like, intimidating yeah and it's it's, it's it's like a it's it's hard bound like a yeah. library book that's one of the things yeah. i like uh and it's got the little the ribbon a, it's got a little bookmark a little ribbon yeah. in there yeah and the layout i mean from the from the graphic designer in me uh the it's layout is, is really well done yeah. um in fact is it the end of uh of, of good friday there's yes. a it says it's it just, is finished it's mm. just a whole pa- a whole double spread double spread that says it is finished and it's completely blank it's <laughs> this very, page intentionally left blank very very well <laughs> thought out yeah so every sacred sunday yeah mm. olivia yes olivia 
Your mother, right? Um, <laughs> no, that was actually said to me by a nice little Sicilian lady when my mom tracked her down. Anyway, <laughs> so my pick of the week is, uh, and I think I was telling Father Chris before, I think I've picked this before, but you know what? It's worth it. I'm going to do it again. Uh, it's Bernard of Clairvaux's Sermons for Advent in the Christmas Season. Awesome. Um, and every year I try to read this book um, because, I mean, they're short little sermons, maybe about seven pages each um and they're on you know they're they're on a, a pertinent reading in the advent time and then he switches to christmas once we get to christmas uh, and he has uh, you know four sermons for christmas eve excuse me six um <laughs> and but they're all profound um and so if you you know you can read the the short scripture passage and then you read the reflection um this is one of the people that we were talking about who who had a a great moment in history um of of preserving and and reinvigorating our Catholic faith. Uh, so I recommend this book to a lot of people who are looking for Advent reflections and uh, Christmas reflections, things to do to keep you spiritually in the season. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have to admit that my pick of the week was your pick of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Father Chris. No, no, that's quite all right. I mean, I think that that's a, a good thing. So I'll pick uh, every Sacred Sunday uh, as well. Um, and the reason that I picked it is is because uh, it is, as you say, good, true, and beautiful. And one of the things that, that I like to support uh, are, are Catholic artists who are doing things that that are that are that are good that need to be out there, and uh, and so uh, and so I, I ordered my copy because I kickstarted it, and uh, and because you know I have to do my homily prep anyway, uh, I I willed it to another, and it's okay because I'm glad it's going to get some use Yay. actually. Yeah. So so every Sacred Sunday, I think it's like fifty bucks. I think so. Yeah. But let me tell you, it's worth it. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely it's, worth it's it. It's yeah. very beautiful. Yeah. Jeff, do you have a pick of the week for us? I, I, know. I do not. Oh, okay. Well, that's because all right. We really don't have time. Yeah. Well, and, that, and, and that's all right. Uh, so so um, those are our picks of the week. You can always let us know what your picks of the week are by going to backchat at catholicunderground.com. Every now and then, you you chime in and you let us know some of the things that you've been reading or things that you've been watching or watching or listening to. And, uh, you know, if they're really good, then we'll probably we'll make them our picks of the week yeah. as well. <laughs> and, uh, and and if you happen to wander by the studio, what's probably going to happen is we're going to put you on the air and tell, you know, <laughs> exactly. So uh, so that is, uh, that's the way the show goes, Gemma, uh, as, as we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, now's the part of the show that I like to say, you know, Jeff, um, we are always thankful for those who support us, both spiritually and otherwise. Isn't that right? And I always say, yes, you're absolutely right, Father. <laughs> this week, Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. And portions of the Catholic Underground are brought to you by audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. That's audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. And also by Mystic Monk Coffee. More information at catholicunderground.tv. Yep, you know, I actually have to update that because Mystic Monk ended their affiliation program, mm-hmm. um, but but I still recommend them because it's really good so coffee. Good. Yeah. So 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 we don't get a kickback, but uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You should you should probably drink some of their coffee anyway because you're supporting monks. You're supporting a beautiful Carmel. I don't know if you've seen pictures, but you can Google it. The Carmelite Monastery. You should do that. Our panelists have been Kathleen Lee, the benefactress, our faith ninja and hope samurai. Thank you, Kathleen. Anytime. Also, we've got uh, Gemma. Wildsmith, <laughs> not Wincroft. Wind. Yeah, thank you, Gemma, for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, you're very welcome. You're always welcome. Uh, Jamie Cherry, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Olivia Galino, OM Galino on Twitter. That's me. That's right. Jeff Blackwell, you know him. Uh, a privilege, Father. Yes, indeed. Uh, Ed Ball has been on the video ball. Uh, we didn't mention him at the top of the show, but he's been there the whole way through. And you know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Twitter at Digital Catholic. We hope that we've helped you cut through the noise 
and find that still small voice. We are the Catholic Underground for Faith Gone Digital, and we will see you for Advent.